0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. In Verse number 22. Hallelujah. We love the Lord. Good to see those that are out in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. See what the Lord would uh, say to us here this evening through his word. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 22. And my sweet wife is doing this on the fly. So just bear with us here. Amen. For a moment. Amen. as She is doing that. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Amen. Already. Verse number 22 of Matthew 27. I just have one verse of scripture that I want to read in your hearing tonight. And the Bible says these words, Matthew 27 and verse 22 and i'm sorry honey amen forgive me bible says "Pilate saith there it is unto them what shall i do then with jesus which is called christ they all say unto him let him be crucified and tonight i would just for a few moments and i'll be mindful of your time but i want to capitalize on that question that Pilate posed to the crowd, but I believe also was posing for himself. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's my title tonight. What are you going to do with Jesus? Amen. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Father, I come to you, God. I'm asking God for your anointing, God, upon my feeble mind, these lips of clay. I pray, O oh Lord, we practice we depend heavily, Lord, upon you. God, in the next few moments, Lord Jesus, of this service, I pray, God, that we could be, Lord, easily impressed by your spirit, that there could be some divine direction, God, from the Holy Ghost, Lord, that we could receive and we'll give you the glory and the honor, God, for what you may accomplish, Lord, in this place, through and by your word. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, Amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated. What are you going to do with Jesus? The question that we are met with in the New Testament or even the whole idea of there being a question, there are questions that are littered throughout the scripture. Some of them that uh, demanded an answer, others that were just rhetorical or order to have an individual to think about the nature or the design of the question of what they were getting at. If I made this evening throughout the Bible some of the questions that have been posed through time, God, in speaking to Adam and Eve in the beginning, he asked them a question of pondering, where art thou? Uh-huh. Yes. The question that Cain asked unto the Lord, after he had slain his brother abel was am i my brother's keeper rebecca's family was asking her concerning her union uh, with isaac that was on horizon and the servant was there asking for her to come they asked her wilt thou go with this man Moses after uh, the, 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 the building of the golden calf and the dancing and all the things that took place while he was up on the mount of God and came down and was just trying to get a survey of who was really with or for the Lord asked the question, who is on the Lord's side? Job asked God, if a man die, shall he live again? David spoke in the Psalms, what is man? That thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visiteth him. David concerning Absalom said, he wanted to know, is the young man safe? Is my son okay? Is he safe? God to Elijah said, what dost thou hear, Elijah? As Elijah's in the cave of the mount, something for Elijah to ponder. Jeremiah, he asked the question, can a leopard change his spots? I'm just throwing a few of these things out here tonight. Jeremiah asked, how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? If you're, if you're not very profitable right now, how will you do in the swelling of Jordan? Malachi asked, will a man rob God? The disciples to Jesus they said Lord is it I whenever he said there would be one that would betray them that question popped up around the table. The Philippian jailer asked the question as those on the day of Pentecost what must I do to be saved the writer of the Hebrews said how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation John the Revelator without going through every book of the Bible John the Revelator asks, for the great day of his wrath is coming who shall be able to stand several questions from the scripture some of which are rhetorical some of which that demanded an answer there's questions even still yet concerning Jesus as Pilate posed the questions there's still questions about Jesus today There's questions in our generation, and most of them are being asked in such a way to try to belittle or destroy the faith of the church. Questions about was Jesus born of a virgin? Questions like did Jesus really fulfill prophecy? Questions like, did Jesus work authentic miracles? Was Jesus really the son of God? Did Jesus really die for our sins? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus ascend into heaven? Will the Lord truly come back again for his church? Is is Jesus the only way for men to be saved? Amen. All of these questions, reading time and time again, and many times throughout the Bible, we see the questions came during the time or about the Lord. Amen. In times and places of crisis. Amen. Thankfully, most of the moments of real crisis only come to us on a limited basis throughout our lives. But when they do present themselves, there is a little warning that ever precedes them. It's like, lo and behold, there's a crisis in your life. It's not like it calls you three weeks in advance and lets you know it's coming. It's not like it knocks on your door very gently before it proceeds in. It just busts down the door, and lo and behold, there it is. There's some forewarning of a crisis would be great if it would tell us. If it would be great, if it would let us know it was arriving. Amen. Some of our tension points in life would not be as intense if we knew some of these things were going to be taking place. Amen. But as we know and understand it stands today, we have no way to know that we might face a dangerous temptation temptation tomorrow. We have no way to know we're going to face the great sorrow that we may face next week. We have no way to know we will have to endure, amen, a debilitating blow to our lives or to our finances or to our health. Perhaps in the next few months we have no way to know what lurks around the corner. These things break in on our souls, on our lives, the lives of the church unannounced and very suddenly. And there was no way that Pilate knew that whenever he laid down to sleep on that night, that the next day he would be presented, Jesus would be presented to him in a very critical crisis of his life. When he got up the next morning, there was no warning. There was not a bird that came and spoke in his ear. Had no idea that an angry mob would be there and that there would be a corrupt group of religious leaders that would be leading this ragtag amen event. Amen. But this is what happened to Pilate on that fateful day. Matthew records the great question that Pilate asked unto the crowd that day. What shall I do with Jesus? And no though he may address the crowd and the angry mob and the rulers and the priests and whosoever may have gathered. I feel in my spirit today that he was also dealing with this question himself. It wasn't just what is the crowd going to do with the Lord, but what am I going to do with the Lord? And I believe this evening if there is ever a time in the history of humanity, we have come to the same juncture in the road that people in church and out of church are pondering the question what shall I do with the Lord Jesus Christ what shall I do with the master what shall I do with the Lord Pilate didn't have any reason why he should be intimidated by Jesus amen no reason for him to be intimidated by the Lord No doubt, perhaps, whenever he looked upon this one that they were saying was causing trouble, perverting the nations, causing a turning of the people, perhaps Pilate's first look upon Jesus was a look of contempt. Pilate was a strong man. He was a leader. He's a ruler. He had soldiers under his command. No reason why he should be intimidated. He had spilled blood, amen, with his sword, long before Jesus had ever entered into this arena. Hey man, Pilate should not be intimidated. But whenever Pilate's eyes met the eyes of Jesus, there was a confrontation, I believe, that took place there. When Pilate's eyes met the eyes of Jesus, Amen. The man of who he was was confronted with who this man was, Amen. Whenever Pilate's eyes met Jesus, there was something that was going on in his spirit, something that was going on in his life. Whenever he seen Jesus, he seen something he had never even seen before in himself. Whenever he seen the purity and the goodness and the kindness and the generosity of the Lord, he had to answer some own things in his life someone say amen in fact the kindness and the mercy the veiled authority if you will in the eyes of Jesus not only arrested the attention in the eyes of Pilate amen but I believe it reached down in two and grabbed a hold of the soul of Pilate something stirred in Pilate's soul amen that had been asleep maybe for several years that had been asleep through his rulership and his training. Amen. The sleeping conscience if you will that he had just kind of numb to what he was doing or how he reacted to certain circumstance but something was awakened something that had been in slumber had been awakened. Whenever he looked into the eyes of the Lord there was something that thundered in his heart something that thundered in his mind whenever he seen this man Jesus Christ something that was in the goal of his spirit. This man is innocent this man is innocent this man doesn't have any fault this man hasn't done any wrong this man's not trying to do anything or take me over in my life he's not trying to get the upper hand on me so to speak this man is alright hey man someone say man. what they called it years ago the old, the old preachers of times past would call it something of a truce of God and what that meant was that it was a serious and holy call to turn from their sin. The truce of God is when there were men that chose God and righteousness before it was too late. If you will, the truce of God is as almost if God is granting a space of time when a person is tempted sorely to take the wrong path or turn away from him. Amen. To crucify him, if you will, for them to have a change of mind and a change of spirit. Amen. There are different scenes in the Bible that come along at those crossroads where people had a truce of God. Peter had such an experience after he denied the Lord Bishop, you preached on it Sunday morning, after he denied the Lord three times and the cock did its final crowing and the Bible says that Peter turned to the Lord and he looked at him and the Lord was looking at Peter. What happened? He looked into the eyes and awoke something inside Tied to Peter that had been in sleep there was a truce of God moment Peter is wanting to turn away wanting to deny, wanting to go the other direction but in that moment something was crying out of Peter saying hey I have a chance to alter this I have a chance to go a different route I have a chance to make a difference it was a truce of God moment for Peter when he looked into the eyes of the Savior Judas had an experience whenever Jesus is going through and washing the feet of his disciples and he comes to Judas in the Last Supper and he speaks those words, still somewhat obscure where everybody didn't understand, but he knew Judas was and would. Whatsoever you do, do quickly. What's he trying to, it's a truce of God moment. He, he as it's been preached years ago he was there washing the feet of Jesus or Judas rather he was trying to redirect Judas's path he was trying to let him know it doesn't have to go the direction that it's presently going amen Herod amen at such a moment they, the Bible says his soul was sorry amen but his soul was sorry because Herodias's daughter had asked for John the Baptist's head in a charger amen and he gave it to her even to half the kingdom and after he did that and he kept his word, the Bible says he was exceeding sorry. And here Pilate experiences the same as all these others that I've mentioned before you. When he looked into the eyes of Jesus, he could have granted this innocent man an out. But Pilate responded a myriad of different ways. Pilate pondered. If if you will, Pilate reasoned. You won't have this up on the screen, but it's very simple. Luke 23 and verse 4. Luke 23 and verse 4, the Bible says, in another recording of the Gospels, then said Pilate, then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And again in Luke 23 and verse 14 said unto them, ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I have examined him before you have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. Pilate comes to his truce of God moment and he reasons for a while. He reasons with the matter. Should I let him go? Or should he go to the cross? He reasoned with the matter. Before it was over, he wanted Jesus dealt with according to the story, according to the Jewish law. Amen. But they would not have that. The people, the crowd would not have that. Pilate reasoned to himself and thought if he could just scourge Jesus, perhaps that would appease the mob. If we don't go to the extent of crucifying but if we can just scourge him and maybe the people will know that I mean business enough through that we won't have to crucify the man. He's reasoning these things in his mind. He reasons to himself that that if he would let his men deal roughly with the law. Maybe if they can get a little rough with him in the eyes of the people, the people will say that's good enough, everything's fine, and, and this man will still be able to leave, live. He's just reasoning and how he can do all of this. But Pilate didn't realize uh, while he's going through his mind and reasoning, what can I do? What, what could be a plan B? What, what could we do that would satisfy the people and also satisfy him still having life? While he did all that, when you do that, when you're reasoning, you're not reasoning. Amen. And real true coherent reasoning you're not reasoning amen through the mind of God amen when you do that you're reasoning if you will with the ploys of the adversary you're reasoning with the ploys of the enemy amen you'll come up lost every time with the cause whenever you reason with yourself when you reason with yourself there's no way that a man can reason with himself and for that matter reason with the adversary and come out victorious but that is what Pilate was doing. He's another action that he took. He says, you know what? I'll just turn Jesus. I'll turn him over to somebody else. What are we going to do with the Lord? Well, we have all these options. This is what I'm looking at. And one of the things that we can do, we can turn him over to someone else. We can make the choice of what is to be done. Somebody else's responsibility. See, because a lot of people don't want to answer the question what they'll do with Jesus they'd rather somebody else answer that question for them. Or they'd have somebody else just answer that question for their own life. They want to turn the question over to somebody else. See, Pilate lost the battle with reason. He didn't win out whenever he went through the reasoning process. So he says, I'll turn him over to someone else. I'll pass the buck, if you will. He decided that somebody else will make the decision that I should have made. So he passes him on. The Bible says whenever Pilate learned that was Jesus a Galilean, and that was in the jurisdiction of Herod, that he turned Jesus over into Herod since that was Herod's jurisdiction, and that the Jews would probably perhaps get rid of him then if we could just send him to Herod. But whenever Jesus got to Herod, and Herod was glad to see him, Herod wanted to hear and talk to him, and Herod wanted to see some sign or some miracle that he would, he would do. But the Bible says, whenever he was in the presence of Herod, he spoke no word, he did no work, no miracle. And what happened? Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate. He sent him back to Pilate. And so, suddenly, Pilate now has Jesus back in his court and in his jurisdiction. Someone say amen. And it was back to his discretion what he was going to do with Jesus. We all got to come to a very pivotal point in our life that sometimes it comes down just to you and God. Regardless of whoever else is weighing in on it. Regardless what the opinions is of anybody else, sometimes the ball gets back in your court and it's just you and God. And the question's there, what are you going to do with him? What are you going to do about it? Someone say amen. We got to decide, are we for him? Or are we against him? See, there's, there's, there's certain things in life that whenever you, you can gather a group of advisors, you'd get financial advisors. You can get a group of advisors to help you. Amen. with decisions, you can have bank advisors you can have marital counselors and advisors that, that help you with, with your marriage Amen. some questions of life sometimes you can lean on your family, You call up mom and dad if they're still living and perhaps a sibling and say if you were in this if you were in this position what what would you do, what, what is your opinion concerning the matter, There's some questions we reserve just for ourselves and for our wife and our companion we discuss them and we come to a definitive answer, a definitive conclusion But there is one question that we all face and we'll face alone, and that is what will you do with Jesus? There's not a group of advisors that's going to help you on that. There's not a counselor in the world that's going to do you any good. There is not your wife or your husband that can answer that question for you. You alone, for yourself, must answer the question, what will I do with the Lord? coming a day that I will die and it will be for myself. There will not be another that will die for me. And there will come a day that I'll be judged and I will be judged for myself. There'll be nobody else standing there for me. I won't be able to turn the decision to somebody else. I'll have to decide. What am I going to do with Jesus? someone say amen Pilate reasoned about it tried to turn it over to somebody else but then really was trying to reach compromise reasoned about Jesus tried to turn it over to somebody else but then when all that failed he decided that he tried it compromise and looking into the past of Pilate as a man gives us an idea maybe why you want to make this matter of Jesus to be quietly dealt with because the history of Pilate was on this sort Pilate had in his reign made a series of bad mistakes according to history according to the tenure of scripture he had made a series of bad mistakes And so this was just another issue that he was having to deal with. And Pilate, in so many words, didn't want to mess this one up. Or he got all these other things stacked against me of making mistakes with issues or with decisions. I don't want to mess this one up. I I appreciate, I appreciate that in Pilate. I dare to say that sometimes sitting on church pews, there are people with a laundry list of mistakes in their past. And they're not wanting to answer the question of what they'll do with Jesus because they're afraid they're just going to make another mistake. Not knowing whether accepting or rejecting at that point in time in their life is the right answer or the wrong answer. But so they just want to pass him off. They just want to reason. As Pilate came to his day, he's just wanting to find some type of compromise just deal with this quietly amen I've gotten a bad rap over the ages and I have the Jews that are crying out and they'll destroy my career if I don't give over to what they're saying. Pilate was just looking for some way out of this disastrous situation of making the wrong choice the wrong decision so he decided that he would scourge the Lord Amen. And after a scourging, he would set him free. Amen. In other words, instead of dealing with the Lord, Pilate just determined to bypass the inevitable. Amen. Just bypass the inevitable. There are many in our society today, amen, who are in the business of compromising with, compromising with the greatest decision in their life. Compromise with the greatest decision in their life. Uh, you've heard it, same as I've heard it, people pass by, they tell you they will give up drinking, smoking, uh, all these other things, they'll give up their crooked business practices. They'll quit treating the family so bad. They'll quit being. They'll, they'll, they'll be a model husband. They'll, they'll work on their marriage. They'll, they'll make some contribution to society to make it better. They, they will give the church some money. They will give some of my, my evil ways and my evil speech. I will give up that. I, I'll resolve to be more helpful and more caring and more kind to those around me. I, I'll try to live a better life. But all these things are nothing more than bypassing the crucial question what are you going to do with Jesus that's what it boils down to So, not about you drinking or not drinking because what you do with Jesus will answer those other lists It's not about being a better person or a better Christian or or giving whenever the opportunity is there to give. It's not getting all those little pinpoint detailed areas. The big question is what are you going to do with the Lord? And if you get that decision made, the others are made for you. But I have people that work on details. They, they work on the giving, or they work on this part, or that part, or bad attitude, and all these other things. No, the question that must be dealt with that you're trying to bypass is the Jesus question. Every person that's ever lived has been in the position that Pilate was on this day. come to the defense of Christ sometimes we've determined we will do with him this demands courage to do what is right listen to me tonight let's be a stronger man than what Pilate was because any other path listen to me clearly any other path we take concerning our dealings with the Jesus question The reasoning, the passing it off to somebody else, the compromising, any other way that we try to deal with it without dealing with it will be nothing more than compromising our eternal destiny. So when reason didn't work, and put him off on somebody else didn't work. Whenever the compromise didn't work, when none of those things worked, he decided that he would try to do a substitution for Jesus. Someone say amen. So Pilate pulls high-rate crimer out of the prison, puts him up as a profitable trade, if you will, for Jesus. Barabbas, sedition, murder is to his claim. Surely the people will take the Lord and still Barabbas. But I'm going to put this substitute there and push him in because I've got to see what's going to happen with the decision about Jesus. Someone say amen. And yet though he put that side by side, the crowd and by Pilate's own inaction, a choice for Barabbas was made. The murderer, the man that was found with sedition in his life. And I can only hear in Pilate's mind that confrontation still taking place. This is an innocent man. He's not done anything wrong. He's done the people nothing but good. And what am I going to do with the Lord? Whenever you're trying to make substitutes for God, you're always going to make a trade that is tragic. You're always going to make a trade that is sorrowful. You're always going to make a trade that in days after the fact you'll ponder upon and wish you had never made such a substitute. Because there's only one name whereby we can be saved. There's only one way where we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's only one life, blood that was poured out for you, for your salvation, and for your sin. And that was Jesus. And so what are you gonna do with him? reason, pawn him off to another group. Compromise. Substitute. Finally when he couldn't shake the impact of the decision he had to make the Bible says that he tried to wash his hands of the matter. He tried to wash his hands. His last resort if you will to the troubling question That he had to deal with is that he went and got a basin of water and he said, My hands are clean of this matter. In Matthew 27 and verse 24, the Bible states, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just look this just person see ye to it after all of this deliberation all of this reasoning all of this pondering all this time that was taken he delivered the lord to be executed anyway in reality jesus died under the mandate of a Roman ruler named Pilate because that's what he chose to do with Jesus nobody can wash his hands of that judgment more than he can wash his hands of God if I can't hear this scene if you, you, I beg you just a little bit more time The Bible says in Luke 23 and verse number 25. And he released unto them him. That for sedition and murder was cast into the prison. That was Barabbas. Whom they had desired. That's who they wanted, the people. That's who they wanted. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Something I want to elaborate on just here for a moment. That we all individually have a will. Some of you term, some people you know having strong wills, other uh, you uh, weak wills. But your will is your desire. Your will is your pleasure. And there's something that I want you to note in Scripture. Pilate, though he had a hand in it, The crowd did the same. They all were dealing with the same question. He delivered Jesus to their will. This is what I wish you to understand. The will of humanity and the will of people is always to crucify their Lord. Somebody hear me right now. He delivered them to their will. Their will was Crucify the master. Crucify the Lord. So if you are operating life by your will. If you're operating your Christianity by your will. The will of the people is it always crucifies its Lord. That's the reason why before crucifix day ever came. And the disciples at sundry times had seen the master pray that on a certain day they asked him, Master, will you teach us to pray? No wonder Jesus included in that prayer for his disciples, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done. Will you say, listen to me. said so Brother McGee, God's will was done through the crucifix of Jesus Christ. I agree. The Bible says he was the lamb slain From the foundation of the world. Just follow close here with me. Just for a moment. The will of God. Was satisfied. By importantly here. Incorporating the will of man. Because he knew the will of man. Was bent on crucifying. The Lord in their life. He says so I'll make my will. By incorporating the will of man. Because the will of man is always bent. I can depend on that. On cruci- I don't know if we need to get out of chart right now on the board for you to quite grasp what I'm saying. But God satisfied his will because he knew he could depend upon the propensity of the will of man to always crucify its Lord. He says, I can get my will accomplished because I can always depend upon the will of man. It stays the same, it remains permanent it's always going to try to bring down whatever is speaking authoritatively in its life. It's always going to try to bring down whatever it has to answer to, the Lord. So the only way that you can get the correct answer from what you're going to do with Jesus, you can't get that from your will. Your will will crucify it takes that, that disciples' prayer that Jesus taught them, Thy will be done, Lord. Thy will be done. Amen. In our everyday lives, you say, Well, you said, His will be done, and His will was for the crucifix because He incorporated the will of man. Yes. Listen to me, though. His will was never for Him to be crucified twice. Somebody here, maybe the reason why Moses got in trouble in the Old Testament. He was supposed to smite the rock the first time, but whenever it went back the second time, he was supposed to speak to the rock, and he smote it. The reason why he got in such a big trouble, because that rock, all of that was a type of New Testament Scripture. That rock that followed him, the Bible says, was Christ. That's what the Bible says. That rock that followed him was Christ. When Moses smote the first time, according to the command of God, he fulfilled the type of Jesus Christ being crucified. But whenever he went and smote him the second time, it would ruined the type because Christ was not to be crucified twice so Christ has already been crucified that will has been done so we know emphatically the will of God is not for him to be crucified again so let's lay down the hammer and the nails and stop doing that again with the Lord You'll stand with me this tonight. You got just a little bit more time. Oh, I had you stand too soon. I no. This whole this whole Jesus concept, walking in shoe leather among the people, you realize how why that was such a threat? the people of that day because people are there's wording and there's murmuring they're speaking about and even it was asked him are you king of the Jews the reason why this is such a threat is because there had been no king on the throne for the Jews since the Babylonian exile the last king per se for the Jews was Zedekiah of the southern kingdom of judah and benjamin was the last king to set on the throne after that there was just gentile after gentile kings all the way up until now jesus is walking in shoe leather and people's talking about is this the king of the jews well there was already a gentile king in rule over rome at the time and see the way things operated a kingdom would rise and devour the next kingdom then another one rise and devour that, and that's how they begin getting more of an empire. It's getting greater and stronger. So whenever there's a new king circulating, you know what the fear is? They're going to overtake my kingdom. So whenever Jesus comes on the picture, the reason why they want to know you, King the Jews, we think we might have a threat on our kingdom and our ways, the way that we've lived life. And that's the reason why people still have a problem with this Jesus factor today. Because whenever he enters their life, they say, hey, I got a kingdom threat here. I got a empire threat the way that I like to live life threat going on here. And if you leave it to your will, you'll crucify him. But I'm asking somebody handle and make the right decision with Jesus tonight. If you'll bow your heads all across this place, there was an old, old hymn. Back in 1779, that was penned. We used to sing it years ago. There is a fountain filled with blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flow, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, the precious blood shall never lose its power. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my thing, shall be till I die. And shall be till I die, and shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my thing, and shall be till I die. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. Lies silent in the grave. Lies silent in the grave. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. There is a fountain that's filled with blood. There is a Savior. There is a Lord. He's already been crucified. But after that has happened and he's alive forevermore, my question to you as an assembly tonight is what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with the Lord? Will you pray right now at your seats or up here at the altar? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.